Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Hello. Thank you for joining Nurses Out Loud. I am your host, Nurse Jody O'Malley. And today we are going to dive deep into a stimulating conversation with the remarkable Tia Severino. She is a journalist, filmmaker, and advocate renowned for her fierce determination and unwavering spirit. From her significant contribution to making the film Vaxxed, a success to her role as associate producer on Vax 2. Tia's journey is nothing short of inspirational, guys. And this episode promises a rich discussion around Tia's upcoming events, the much-anticipated Ending the Pandemic triple feature film screening on November 11th, and the third annual Next Steps from March 14th, to the 17th next year. We're also going to delve into the essence of her book, Empowered Healthcare, and what it means to be genuinely empowered in today's ever-evolving healthcare landscape. This is a topic that is at the heart of many of our America Out Loud, Nurses Out Loud listeners. And so I really wanted to highlight Tia's mission for her Next Step conferences, It's a platform she founded, uniting luminaries who educate, inspire, and catalyze action. As many stand at a crossroads, yearning to bring about change, but uncertain of the path forward, Tia's expertise in fostering collaboration and her vision for building a parallel society offers us a lot of hope. Welcome, Tia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jody. I've been a big fan of yours for a bit um, since ever I since I saw you burst onto the scene. Uh, thanks to James O'Keefe and uh, yeah, pro- I think that was Project Veritas back when Project Veritas was Project Veritas, right? Yeah, it's very sad what happened, but I mean, I think there's a plan for everything. Um, but Amen. yeah, super, yep. super fortunate to have had that platform because who else would have really given my whistleblower story the attention that it deserved? And, you know, it still didn't get as much attention as I had hoped since no, I think the only one who really released it was Charlie Kirk and um, Alex Jones. You know, we, we had a lot of people that were signed up to, interview me the next day, but like Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, um, but they backed out. So unfortunate that that happened. Um, I'm hoping that his OMG media really takes off and we have somewhere else, you know, to turn to, to release these stories. Absolutely. Well, we need to have a lot 
of different citizen journalist outlets. Um, you know, yeah. that's one of the things that I highlighted in this year's Next Steps conference. We had a workshop on become a citizen journalist with uh, Stephanie Lucrecio, uh, Riley Vojevic, and Polly um, Tommy from CHDTV and myself. And we really wanted to kind of equip people with, you know, how do you do this thing? How do you how do you start being a, a citizen journalist? Because I'm sure before you kind of stumbled on the information that you fell into or that fell into your lap, yeah. kind of, to use a term, um, I don't know. Did you ever have any aspirations of being a citizen journalist? Or <laughs> No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. And and I, quite frankly, I never even heard of James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. My my dad knew who he was from his acorn story, but mm -hmm. I had just learned about them maybe two months prior when, right. um, you know, we had a couple of uh, like Ivory Hecker's story went viral and and that's how I, I came across him. But, yeah, it's very important. I tell people all the time. It's like all I did, guys, was pull out my Android phone and hit record. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Yep. The big tech, um, techno the, the technocrats, to, yep. I guess that's the right word. The technocrats thought by putting a tracking device, a camera, a microphone, a computer in everybody's hands, that they were just going to be able to use it for their own evil ends of, you know, tracking us and, mm -hmm. yes, I guess, selling us, selling all our data yeah. to advertisers. Um, but, but they kind of made a mistake because now anyone who has a smartphone could become a citizen journalist. That's right. And like... Like you, I was just a mom with broken kids. And I hate to say broken kids, but, you know, the pharmaceutical industry wrecked my kids and tried to wreck my family. And it's, we've got a long way to go for both of my kids before they'll ever be able to, before I will ever be able to breathe knowing that if I if I leave this planet, they're going to be OK. Like I, I have a 33 year old um, and a 17 year old. They're both on the autism spectrum. My oldest got all the 90s vaccines. Um, and because my oldest was born female, that seems like girls do a little better. I don't know. They either do a little better or they get missed more. And I would say they get missed more. And a, a lot of people have misconceptions about autism. They, they don't realize it. It's not like these high functioning, what they like to call high functioning, what they used to call Asperger's kids. They think that these kids are just brilliant and funny and quirky, but they are dealing with so much. You have no idea how much they struggle because on the outside, they appear to be normal, but they're the social anxiety, the depression, the, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's life. It's life shattering is all I can say. So yeah, my young. Gonna, yeah. So you've been in this fight a lot longer than I have. Yeah. So you, yeah. you, you, yeah, let's, let's hear about your journey with this. Well, um, I was a young mom with my oldest child. I was uh, 19. Um, and, um, 
didn't stay with uh, the father, my ex-husband. We're good friends now, uh, but uh, we were just young. And it's really hard when you're young, you know, to and he was in the military. So shout out to everybody out there. I'm I come from a military family. I was uh, I was an army wife. I have big love for um, the young men and women who sign their lives over to our government. And I don't necessarily agree with the wars, but I do support the troops and I do support law enforcement. So um, uh, we were young and it didn't work out. And so I was a single mom for 13 years. Well, 13 years. Yeah, basically. And then I met my husband who I'm married to now. And we had my youngest, who is uh, my son, who is 17. And he only got four vaccines. And I heeded a warning, okay? Because by that time, I was working with Bill Schindler at the Hyperbaric Therapy Center, and which is now Hyperbaric PHP. And um, we had a medical director who was working with kids with autism, and she saw me with him when he was just about five months old, and she said, you're not vaccinating him, I hope. I had already heard, you know, I'd heard about Andy Wakefield or Dr. Andrew Wakefield's uh, um, case study that seemed to implicate the MMR. I I knew that the multi-dose vaccines were not safe. I knew that giving more than one dose at a time was not a good idea because then if you have a reaction, you don't know which vaccine they reacted to. But Mm -hmm. I did get kind of bullied into giving him some vaccines. So he got four all before he was six months old. And then I stopped. And at two, he was diagnosed with autism by that same doctor who had warned me. Okay. Really? And I cannot imagine, um, and I think with my oldest, it was a more uh, more conservative uh, schedule of vaccines. Like I didn't get my oldest vaccinated until I um, until she was going into. And I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have I'm gonna struggle with pronouns because my oldest is identifying as non-binary, and so I try to avoid using pronouns when speaking about. But um, and that's another thing that's difficult for me. But that's a totally different subject. Um, so but I do think they're related, you know, like when that came up, I said, hey, you know, you were injected with the vac- with vaccines that contain DNA from the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. And we have no idea how this is affecting. Our- we have no idea. Right. We, they're not even looking at this. Is it possible that injecting little boys with female fr- DNA from aborted fetuses or female infants with male DNA from aborted fetuses. How do we know that that doesn't cause this this incredible increase in gender dysphoria now? Well, you know, it's but interesting I- you say that because I was at an event in Houston and the Vax bus came um, for the first time. And Nurse Michelle, who is also a host on Nurses Out Loud, she she was talking about this very thing. And people around her were looking at her like she was crazy. But her daughter suffers from that. And then another host, um, her daughter suffers from that, too. So it's yeah, I mean. Right. How, how did this, why is how do this we know? so prevalent? Right. Yeah. Exactly. How do we, I, I'm not saying that it is related. No. What I am saying is that they are not looking into whether or not it is. Okay. That's right. And yet 
we have this massive increase. Now, when I grew up, I was born in 70. When I grew up, we had cross-dressers and transvestites. We had yep. men who liked to dress up in women's clothing. And I think in the 50s, when they started experimenting with um, with the male to female sex change stuff, it wasn't like a, a, a very prevalent. But I've had a lot of friends throughout my life that are in the LGBT community. I've known, I've had very dear friends that were, that like to dress up as women, that wanted to be kind of perceived as women. But we never had girls wanting to be boys. Mm -hmm. And now there's an explosion of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we never had this non-binary, which is like what in between it's nothing. It's both. It's, I don't get it, but you know, we didn't have these things. And now all of a sudden after this, and it's the nineties kids, you guys, it's the nineties and on kids. So in 1988, uh, when the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act went to effect that was passed in 86, when it went into effect in 1988, and the pharmaceutical industry was granted total immunity from liability for any of the vaccines that they that they managed to get onto the childhood schedule, we saw an incredible explosion. It was like a gold rush. Like vaccines became the cash cow for the pharmaceutical industry. It is their number one, the most development Pipe, the most developed pipeline in the pharmaceutical industry is not for um, medications, it's for vaccines. And why is that? Because all other medications, if you get hurt, you can sue. Mm -hmm. Not with vaccines. And so, so we saw a steady increase in the vaccinations. Now, my daughter was born in 90, um, did not get, did not get a ton of vaccines before five, okay? Which may have been the, the only saving grace and why they weren't hurt more, okay? But so now back you, to my- I was going to say, so you did not, so you, why did you choose not to vaccinate her and then to vaccinate? Well, it was just, it was a requirement of school and I was uh, in California, okay? Oh, yeah. And in California, well, now back then, California had the highest unvaccinated rate for because we had philosophical and religious exemptions. And we also had people in the schools who would say, you can have a waiver. Mm -hmm. And so there were there were times when they just gave me a waiver. Like I literally skated by. I think she got a few when she was like young. because I had to travel to go to England, but really didn't get a lot until, you know, the school you had to get all the school vaccines. Yeah. And even those they they were like, you know, we back then we had good school nurses that would say spread them out, take your time, don't worry, you don't have to get them all at once. Like literally better guidance and that I think why it's probably why they went after California so hard when they took away the uh, religious and philosophical exemptions is because they had to get rid of all these people in the administration that were letting parents get by with not vaccinating and actually even telling parents that there was a religious or philosophical exemption. Nowadays, you, they don't even tell you. So, right. yeah. yeah. So yeah. fast forward to I have my son. Now I'm trying to do, I made a lot of mistakes when my young, my older child was growing up. I was, I was a uh, single mom doing what I had to do to survive. And, um, you know, my story goes 
I have a wild story. I mean, I was a teenage runaway. Uh, I oh, left okay. home when I was 16. I mean, I was in survival mode for, you know, a good 15 years, 16, 17 years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, that's part of why I think I am the way I am today, because I've you can't scare me. <laughs> Girl, you are not kidding me. I tell people that all the time. I was like, listen, I mean, I dropped out of school at 15, got pregnant at 16. You know, Mm. I mean, I did the whole thing, too. And when this all happened and I was seeing it, you know, again, I didn't know for sure that uh, that the um, COVID injection was causing myocarditis or all these Mm. other issues. But I had seen it so much. And it was a safety signal for me mm-hmm. that it was like, okay, well, listen, if I'm seeing this and there and nobody's gathering the data, well, here, right. let me show you what I'm seeing and let y'all decide for yourself. And right. then now myocarditis is a household name, but right. you know, I, I, I've been asked, you know, by people, they, they have said, um, well, how do you know that? you know, cause I get a lot of people reaching out to me that want to expose their story and, and come forward. And how do you know if, you know, they're being honest or they're legit and they just don't want to do it for fame. And I'm like, well, dive into their, to their upbringing, dive into their, their past and see what kind of grit they have. Right. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you're right. It's for people like you and I that have been through it and we know how to survive that you're not going to, you know, coerce us with a paycheck, essentially. Well, and you're not going to scare me either. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I've got there's hate pages out there specifically devoted to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, what are you going to do? You know? Right. Right. Bring Pray it. for the person that did it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so let's quick back, circle back to my son. So with my son, I was trying to do everything differently, you know, because I had felt like I made a lot of mistakes Mm -hmm. with my older child. And so when we got his diagnosis, I mean, I'll tell you, it feels like the walls are closing in on you, but God had me exactly where I was supposed to be around the people I was supposed to be around. Thank God for Bill Schindler. He was the first one to warn me about the vaccines. Thank God for um, Julie Buckley, Dr. Julie Buckley, who was the one who said, hey, you know, and then when we, and Dr. Bradstreet uh, was also my doc, my son's doctor for several years. Uh, we've just been so blessed to have access to the biomed interventions that, you know, I really think have pulled my son out of potentially severe autism. If I, if he'd have gotten all the vaccines that they want to give babies today, I, I don't think he'd be alive because of the way he reacted just to those four vaccines. Yeah. But that really set me on a journey to, un- I wasn't completely, you know, even after I said no more for him, I was still not what I would call anti-vaccine. Mm-hmm. I even allowed them to give me a, was supposed to be a tetanus shot. Yeah. And of course, it's not, you can't get a tetanus shot. It's only a, a, a TDAP, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and then I got severe nerve damage from that. And uh, wow. And that's when I started, it started clicking and I started looking back at my own vaccine history and how my health had declined severely after every single dose. Wow. That's why I went from straight A's, dean student from Moorpark College to getting into Pepperdine with a with the dean scholarship 
um, and immediately was struggling, struggling with like incredible difficulty of, of concentration, having trouble getting around the campus. And it was because I had had to have a TD and an MMR for enrollment at mm. Pepperdine. And then, you know, so I, I went back and I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. So immediately after I got those, all of a sudden now I'm having trouble walking. Now, all of a sudden I can't concentrate. I'm going from literally, I had a 3.88 grade point average because I had gone back to school. I'd gotten my GED. I'd gotten, my, I'd taken an SAT. I did everything I needed to, to get into Pepperdine. And then I got there and I'm like, I can't hack this. Is it that much harder? Is university that much harder than a junior college? Well, yes, it's harder, but it shouldn't have been so difficult for me. And I do think that the vaccines had something to do with that. So waking up about vaccines is a it's not an overnight thing. We have people today like I've heard some criticism about some of the doctors that woke up and supposedly, you know, woke up during COVID. Yeah. Well, they're not, you know, they don't see the whole picture. They only see COVID. Well, dude, it's not overnight. You you don't wake up overnight to this thing. I I don't know anyone that has woken up overnight to this thing. So we have to be gentle with people who are just figuring it out. That's what I think that's my message to everyone out there is for those of us that know the deal, you you have to be you almost think about them like they're babies and spoon feed them a little bit. You can't you can't turn the fire hose on because they'll just they just they'll shut down and they won't listen. Yeah. That's what um, they say. The overwhelmed person does nothing. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. So, uh, so yeah. So with my son um, being injured and then having my own personal injury, wake up. um, That's when I really, really, really started digging. And I'll tell you back in 2016, when the movie Vaxxed came out, well, I was, on it from the from the first announcement i mean i heard that it was coming out and i was in touch with brian burroughs who was the editor for vaxxed and hey we've got to have this film here in atlanta this is the cdc's backyard we've got to have it here and so um, atlanta was actually the third screening um i successfully put together a two-week run with sh- sold out shows um at a theater here in atlanta and uh, assisted about 36 other groups across the country who were like, Dia, how did you get how did you get back to your city? You know, and so we came up with a formula that and, you know, the, we had everybody was against us. The press was against us. Um, censorship was against us. And yet uh, Vaxxed became a worldwide phenomenon um, with sold out screenings all across the country. And it was in Atlanta when the team realized that they needed to have a bus. They, that flying all over the country to go to screenings was was not going to work. And that, that there was so many people were coming out yeah. to the screenings that had stories and that they were just being bombarded with all these people with injury stories. Because what happened was people who had vaccine injured kids who had it's very isolating. All of a sudden, we found each other. Yeah. And that was very powerful. We yes. found each other. Okay. And that's why they had to shut it. I mean, that's why they have this censorship has just gotten worse and worse and worse since 2016. Back in 2016, man, we were like wildfire on social media. And um, and it was probably mid-2016 going into the the winter that 
they really started clamping down. But we had um, we had the bus uh, going around the country, Periscope, and you know they were they were doing high quality video recording, but they were also going out live on Periscope. And I could remember hearing the whistle for Periscope and jumping because it was another story. And it was like at that time we weren't we didn't know that there was all these people out there that had been through this like us, and so hearing other people's stories it just it brought us all together and i know that multiple of the groups that i helped i want to say i i helped because you know their leaders or members reached out to me and wanted to know how i had done it so we we created a formula that everybody used a lot of those groups have become um advocacy groups in their states uh some of them have gotten into um um lobbying and some you know uh, legislation you legislative work mm-hmm. and i'm really proud of that you know uh, so then um all of the stories that were being collected in the mo- in the in the bus were put together into the film backs to the people's truth mm-hmm. and so we had a big screening event here in atlanta in 2019 and uh I just love everyone involved in the in the movie. Um, I love Polly, like a sister to me. I love Dell. I love Dr. Wakefield. Um, all amazing people, and I think that when it when it came out, I was saying over and over again, "Vaxed is changing the narrative." around vaccines and autism because for Absolutely. once yeah. we have a whistleblower at the CDC who is admitting that they committed fraud on the most important and I might add the last safety study that they've done on vaccines. Did you know that in 1988 when or 1986 when they passed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act that there was three requirements that they had to fulfill? One was to um, promote vaccines so that the you know public we'd have more um, uptake in the public, right? So uh, the second was to test vaccines for safety, so we know that we have safe vaccines. And the third was, and I and I don't know what order they were in. I'm just telling you by memory. The third was that they were supposed to report back every two years to the committees in the House and the Senate at Congress. Okay. So when our government gave the pharmaceutical industry complete and total immunity from liability, that liability shifted to HHS. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now if you're injured by a vaccine, it was supposed to be a no fault system, or if if you've been injured by a vaccine, they would compensate you. It turned into a kangaroo court, the vaccine um, injury compensation program is a joke. Uh, it's very, very, very hard to win a case. Mm-hmm. And um, despite that, it's been over $4 billion, $4 billion have been paid out through that program. Uh, so, you know, but um, when when uh, the the study that was being done at the CDC on the MMR, when they were doing that study, there was a large group of families who were in a hold a holding pattern, if you will. They were they were all lumped together, kids with autism, injured by vaccines, 
5,000, it's, it's referred to as the autism omnibus, okay? 5,000 cases. They had 10, uh, I don't know what they call them. The, there was 10 cases that they were trying, and the whole omnibus was going to be decided on that. They had to pull, I think, two of, of those out of the, because they were losing, okay? So these test cases um, that they were trying that were where the whole of the omnibus was going to be riding on these 10 cases, they were, they were losing and they were freaking out. And so along comes this safety study that they're doing at the MM uh, with the MMR at the CDC. And they're not liking the results. They're seeing a 800% increase in autism when the CD, when the vaccine, the MMR vaccine is given on the CDC's recommended schedule, which is from 12 to 18 months versus waiting until after three years to get the vaccine. They did not look at a group that did not receive the vaccine. Only, only, you know, the early administration versus older administration. And they were freaking out. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. You know, I think, I think what this, all of this um, on the really should speak to the listeners is to talk we need to talk to one another, right? Yeah. Because yeah. once we talk to one another, you know, then we start to realize that we have commonalities and then people yeah. come together and then movements are yes. created. And that's why, yeah. you know, any critical thinker can see how social media is censoring people and then you're deplatforming people because you don't want people to talk. Same with right. in the beginning of COVID where they wanted to isolate us because if we all were talking, you know, um, we would have come together together and realize what was happening right. way earlier. And for you guys, you know, quote unquote, the anti-vaxxers, uh, I mean, <laughs> it has really opened my eyes because of how blindly I trusted and how blindly mm. the medical industry trusts that the government is doing studies and they're not, which, which right. brings me to this point, guys, you know, you are listening to America out loud news and this platform is 24 seven programming on a variety of subjects. It is so important for you to share our stuff, to like it, to review it on whatever platform that you're listening to it on, because it does bump us up in the algorithms. And, you know, and having said that also check out our show sponsors because they keep the lights on here. You know, if you go to America shop, you will see one of our flagship products on nurses out loud, which is the SIA. Um, there's different products on there. I've been taking the, um, the redox, um, drink which helps at the cellular level. You guys hear me talk all the time about the redox um, revitalizing gel that I have shared testimony with people personally and myself of helping with muscle pain, skin issues. You know, there's a variety of different things. And so check out America shop, go to ASEA. You will receive exclusive discount only available to you our loyal america out loud nurses out loud listeners and guys we will be right back with the amazing tia severino right after the break it's time and this is what 
Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out americaoutloud.shop, look for ASEA Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement, and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. All right, guys, welcome back. Again, you are listening to Nurses Out Loud. I'm your host, Nurse Jody O'Malley. You can hear us five days a week on iHeartRadio or 24 seven. Uh, you can pull up any podcast because all of our shows go to podcast as well. Um, and I also like to highlight, which I use is the America Out Loud talk radio app. It is free and you can just hit it on your phone and listen 24 seven to any show that is on the air at that time. All right, Tia. Yes. Thank you for sharing, you know, your personal story with it. Um, did you want to finish that your thought up with that? Yeah, I, I did because it was kind of important. So, so here we've got these two things happening. We've got the omnibus proceedings in the vaccine court, which are not going the direction that they want them to go. And we have the C CDC study that Dr. William Thompson was working on, which seems to show, oops, oops, <laughs> um, there seems to be a definite correlation between the early administration of the vaccine. And um, it was also very pronounced um, that it was affecting African-American boys more than their male white counterparts. Mm. This was really 
causing a firestorm at the CDC. And this was hot on the heels of the Simpsonwood meeting, which was a secret meeting that the CDC held um, to discuss the problems that they were having, uh, they were seeing in the studies by First Stratton looking at mercury in the vaccines. They, they saw significant safety signals and they reeked out. And that study is the subject of another cover-up because they had they just basically released a different study. Okay. We never got to know the truth about that. They quietly took, you know, the they took the mercury, supposedly took the mercury. There's still trace amounts of mercury in the vaccines and there's still mercury in the flu vaccine, the multi-dose vial. So mercury's not out of our vaccines. But because they had seen these problems with the with the merc with the thimerosal and they had seen the problem with the MMR and they had to whitewash both of those uh, and lie to the public and hide that from the public. Uh, they used the whitewash study where they kicked kids off of this. They changed the study protocol mid-study and kicked kids off the study to try to get the signal to go away. And even then, it was still there. But they reduced it to the not statistically significant. <laughs> yeah. And then they decided to just not report that data. Well, and you so know, we have um, Dr. Pierre Corey, who uh, mm -hmm. you know, is a founder of FLCCC. And, he, you know, he was a total left leaning liberal. And he even comes out now and says he doesn't trust any of the journals. He doesn't trust any of the, right, right, the right, research. Right, and, and that's right, another important right. topic that you just raised. Right. Yep. Well, and I'm speaking specifically about the CDC, because remember, I said when the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act was passed, they gave immunity from liability to the pharmaceutical industry. Congress required three things. Promote the vaccines, test the vaccines for safety, report back to us every two years. CDC is under HHS. CDC is supposed to be conducting safety studies. Now we know of only one ingredient, thimerosal. Okay. And they did look at aluminum in that study as well. The combination of aluminum and mercury are, make it twice as toxic. Okay. And one vaccine, the MMR. That's it. That's it. That's all the testing the CDC has done on the vaccines on the childhood schedule. And those that that's what they're basing their vaccines don't cause autism statement on. And that's the MMR study was used, the whitewashed version, when it came out and said, this proves vaccines don't cause autism. That fraudulent study, which was the subject of the movie Faxed, was used to shut down the 5,000 cases in the autism omnibus, they were all turned away, summarily dismissed. You don't have a case. Vaccines don't cause autism. So this problem is much bigger than a bunch of moms who are pissed off and looking for someone to blame for what happened to their kids. This is a real, real problem. And we've been winning people over to our side, the, the, the who did a study. They looked at like online influence and found that the anti-vax community wins over people to their side five times the rate of the pro-vax. Oh, just a couple years before we had the pandemic, we had a doctor speaking at the WHO, uh, at a WHO, um, WHO World Health Organization meeting, talking mm -hmm. about 
the biggest problem that they have is not the anti-vaxxers. It's the shaky front line of doctors and nurses who are questioning vaccines. That's the problem. And they've got to figure out a way to get rid of that shaky front line. Nurses like yourself and Kimberly Overton Mm -hmm. and Michelle, um, Nurse Michelle, and others who were skeptical, maybe, about the whole thing. Maybe it's not what they're saying, okay? And and so along comes this little virus that was cooked up in a lab, released intentionally, I believe. Just go look at Event 201 if you don't. Believe me, there's plenty of data out there to prove that this was definitely, this was a manufactured virus or toxin, really. It's really a toxin. Let's stop calling it a virus. It's not a virus. It's a toxin. Right. Right. Spike protein is a toxin. Yeah, it's actually um, a spike protein that is derived from snake venom. Well, now, I would say my friend, Dr. Brian Artis, would uh, wholeheartedly agree with that assessment. Anyone who doubts his research hasn't actually looked at their research. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I mean, it is definite. Right. It's definitely there. And and it's hard to say it off the tongue. I mean, it really is. It's hard to come out and say that. It sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. But you're right. I've seen all the research. You know, I've seen the research. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it sounds that's part of the appeal to them. OK, yeah, they love that. Let's do something so evil uh-huh. that if anyone figures it out, they'll be thought a nutcase for yep. even thinking it. OK, yeah. So but what did they manage to, to do with this pandemic? What did they manage to do? They managed to get rid of the shaky front line of health of health care workers who weren't going to toe the line. Yeah, that's what I call them. The, they're, they're they gone. got rid of the dissenting critical thinkers. Correct. That's what I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm using that term because that's what this this uh doctor used in her in her speech. She called it a shaky front line. Uh-huh. And they're gone now. And I yeah. know this because I just spent time in a hospital not too long ago, and I will tell you that you do not want to be in a hospital. If nope. you have to be in a hospital, you need to know how to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. And even knowing how to advocate for yourself will actually probably make it a little bit more hard for you. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but you, you might live through it. And going into a hospital right now, I mean, listen, it's a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you go in there for. And there's a number of reasons why people will have to interact with the medical community. Uh-huh. But if you don't know, like, you don't know your body and its systems. You don't understand medical terminology. You don't know who these people are and what their jobs are. You don't, you're intimidated by all the testing and the equipment. They, they will, they will, they will run over you. They will right. run over you. Okay? And, they, and they've done that because like the nerd, the ones that are left there, right. That's what mm-hmm. I say, you know, because I talk to a lot of people that still work there that may not agree with it, but they just don't understand how complicit they are and following the quote unquote protocol, you know, but what they have done with, you know, the release of the COVID vaccine and, you know, and with all mm-hmm. of us waking up, so to speak, is now we're speaking out and saying no vaccines at all. Correct. <laughs> right. Correct. 
So, so you wanted to get a shot in every arm of the COVID thing. Well, guess what? That just flipped on, on its head because now we're speaking out and saying there's no research guys. There's no studies right. to show cumulative dose effects, much less right. even single dose effects. Right. Correct. Um, yep. And it so, only takes one to kill you. That's right. It really only, it only takes one. I know of a boy who was unvaccinated. His parents didn't vaccinate him. Turned 18, went to college got talked into getting a flu vaccine, one vaccine, the only vaccine he'd ever had dropped dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a story with my, my son, he, my nephew was born, like they were five days apart and they were growing up normally, normally together. And around the age of three, all of a sudden his eyes changed, his disposition changed, you know, and it's like, wait a second, you were progressing normally just the mm-hmm. same as, as your cousin. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden now you have this severe autism. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Well, I mean, we don't know why some some kids seem to get damaged more than others. Mm-hmm. We we think that maybe boys have it worse when they're younger because of um, for, for women, estrogen may play a protective role. It. And because of the nature and anyone who, I mean, talk about the biological differences between men and women. It's real. It's a reality. Okay. It's a reality. Women were more likely to hate to say it, but survive a trauma. There's something about us that we're, because we're nurturing, because we're, we're more likely to, you know, bond with each other, like women and women, girls and girls, we have a different way of bonding than men do, um, that there may be something um, physiologically, it could be estrogen plays a protective role, maybe testosterone has an opposite effect, but we don't know why it seemed like boys have a more likelihood of getting autism. But now, whatever differences that we had where boys were getting it worse than girls it's it's flipped because we have the hpv vaccine okay mm-hmm. and the hpv vaccine is devastating teenage girls it's devastating them i mean just unbelievable de- devastation mm-hmm. um and so the, and then with the covid vaccine i mean i think it's a i think everybody's at risk of of uh, sterility and um heart problems and any part of your body that has anything going on with it where your immune system is activated Mm -hmm. is going to send those spike proteins they're going to they're going to go into that that's what i said you know like we've got people that get the vaccine all of a sudden their their um pancreas which wasn't functioning well is now they have pancreatic cancer right yeah or you know here's the thing i think a lot of people that are listening to this you know it's like really trusting that instinct that gut that you have like should yeah. i be doing this and really sticking yeah. to it because again yeah. i was a young mom i you know 16 and 20 and you know my kids the hpv vaccine came out when they were you know teenagers and i'm hearing oh they need it they need it and all i thought was i don't know man like this is too new i'm not giving it to them and i did Good it for you yeah Good. But, yeah. you know, um, let, let's talk about Tia because we only have a few minutes left. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to talk about your book. Let's talk about okay. your book, um, Empowered Healthcare, and what yeah, that means definitely. to be genuinely empowered. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, I was recently in the hospital. And, um, and the reason that I was in the hospital is because I fell. 
I fell behind my house. There's some concrete steps going down. I was carrying some weights. I, I, my ankle turned on the first step and I fell down these concrete steps and landed on my arm, broke my wrist and my ankle. Mm. Nobody was home. My neighbor's daughter heard me screaming and came running and called the ambulance. So uh, luckily I got help pretty quick. But when they picked me up on the stretcher and put me in that ambulance, I, I mean, that's the only way you're going to get me in a hospital. OK, <laughs> broken bone <laughs> would be the only way that right. I know too much. OK, yeah, I know yeah. too much. And so I'm in the ambulance and they're doing the, you know, what's your name, date of birth. Um, and literally the first thing out of my mouth is no vaccines, no biologics. And um, they asked me a couple more questions and I said, no vaccines, no biologics. I'm in shock, but I knew to say that. And one of the EMTs said, don't worry, we're not going to do that. And then the other one said, don't worry, neither one of us have gotten the shot. I've seen too many kids stroke out. OK. Yep. So I get to the hospital. I go to I, I'm at the. I'm in the ER, I'm in triage where they're trying to figure out where to put me, asking me the same questions. No vaccines, no biologics. Okay, that's not what we're doing. We're just getting your information. I know, but I want it at the top of my chart. I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen because I was in shock, right? So I just needed for them to make sure that that was on my my chart. And so I get into the ER room and the first nurse that walks in the room, the first thing she asks me is, when was your last tetanus shot? And I said, I just looked at her and said, no vaccines, no biologics. That's not what we're doing. I just need to know. I said, well, if you need to know, it was about 12 years ago and I still have severe nerve damage. It wasn't it wasn't a tetanus shot. You can't get a tetanus shot. It was a Tdap. So she got, you know, so so I go through the whole process of the x-rays and then this CAT scan or the uh, the resetting of my bones and into a temporary cast because I was going to have to have surgery. And the nurse comes back and the same nurse comes back in the room and because I'm waiting to go upstairs and she says, I'm going to give you a shot of heparin. And I'm like, what's that? Oh, it's a, uh, it's to keep you from, you're going to be in the bed for several days to, or for a long time. We, we don't want you to get a blood clot and die. I said, okay, well, I don't know that drug. What's in it? What are the side effects? And she (laughs) looks at me and says, I don't have that here, but you can Google it. Oh, my God. (laughs) There with a broken wrist and a broken and it had to be my right wrist too. broken wrist, broken right wrist, broken right ankle. And she's telling me to Google it. So I'm like, no, I don't think I'm going to Google it. I have friends that are nurses and I have a doctor. I will talk to them. I don't know what's in that drug. So. Uh, I'm not taking that. So she leaves the room and comes back with a piece of paper with one paragraph on it, and it's the ingredients. And I'm looking at the ingredients list, and one of the ingredients is porcine cells. Now, for anyone out there who doesn't know what that is, that's pig cells. So it's cells derived from a pig. And the definition of a biologic is made with living cells. So it was the definition of what I had said I did not want coming in that into that hospital setting. So I just looked at her and I pointed to I pointed to that and she says, "Well, oh, I guess you could have a religious objection to that." And I just was like, "It's a biologic. You don't even know. You don't, you don't even, even know. know. 
you're about to give it to me without informed consent and you don't even know. When I'm saying no vaccines, no biologics, the only thing you heard was that she's an anti-vaxxer. Okay, no. I know that if I take, if you give me a medication, okay, and it has a side, a known side effect, or my body has a, a, an immune response to it, okay, mm-hmm. it could cause a problem. Mm-hmm. So me knowing that and also rejecting some of the pain medication that they wanted to give me, it, it just, it was very very difficult hospital stay for me mm-hmm. and i'm laying there and i'm like okay god <laughs> i know you can take anything that happens and turn it for good so what's the silver lining in this what am i supposed to be getting out of this and it came to me that i'm supposed to write a book mm-hmm. okay now when I, i'm laying in the hospital i'm thinking the book's about my story in the hospital no my god when i started working on it it just opened up and what empowered healthcare is, it's a guide to advocacy in medical emergencies. It's everything you need to know to interact with any part of the medical community or not interact because I go over natural healing modalities as well, preventative care. But it's it walks you through how to advocate for yourself or a loved one. Mm-hmm. Personal preparedness when it comes to your medical information, okay? Understanding the terminology that's used in the hospital or medical settings, the staff and their roles of different medications, different conditions, different tests, different, uh, different you know, like medical equipment. And then there's a 10-chapter um, section on every system of the body. So... That no matter what happens to you or a loved one, you can turn to that section and understand the the, the systems, the organs, their problems. That's awesome, Tia. That's awesome. Wow. And then, <laughs> wow. So, and um, and then in the back, there's bonus sections where I go into um, I go I, di- I go a deeper dive into the nurses and their and their supporting staff because you know when you're in the hospital everyone that walks through the door in scrubs looks like a nurse mm-hmm. but they're not all the same yeah and the doctors aren't all the same either so there's a section on nurses there's a section on um doctors and surgeons there's a whole section on medications there's a whole section on vaccines there's a section on pregnancy there's a first aid guide and then in addition to that it has a a person a personal preparedness planner which is full of forms that you can fill out so you have one for each member of your family especially if you have someone that's medical has medical conditions like say you have let's say your dad's got diabetes and high blood pressure and now he's having a stroke okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well you got to get him to the hospital but you need to take all of his medical information with you because they're going to need to know that stuff so having one of these personal planners and how can they get a, the how can they get the book Tia? Wait, we're about Well, to- I got I am right now. <laughs> um I just finished editing it. I will have a copy of it with me at the Children's Health Defense Conference this weekend so that people can look at it. Um it has just been edited once. I have a whole process that I want to go through where I um which um have experts in each of the 
each of the areas mm-hmm. that I'm covering in the book to go over the chapters with me yeah. and see if there's anything I've missed or anything that's incorrect or anything that needs to be fleshed out more. And I've I've already had a few contributors like my chiropractor, Dr. Eric Flasker from 100 Year Lifestyle. He um, he reviewed the uh, section on musculoskeleton and the nervous system and gave yeah. me some input. So I want to go through that whole process of of um, and I also I'm searching for stories, uh, personal stories of advocacy to add to that, because I think it's really important. A lot of people have gone through this. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I would be more than happy to um, look at your chapter um, wonderful. Uh, on nurses. Absolutely. But, wonderful. But we are out of time. I yep. how, how can people get in touch with you? Well, go to next-steps.info. Next, N-E-X-T hyphen S-T-E-P-S dot info that's my website and on that website you can see the information about the upcoming plan um ending the pandemic triple feature i have mickey willis coming the filmmaker we're going to show all three pandemic films so the first film with dr judy mikevitz dr judy uh, will be there where what where is it at november it's going to be in um in Atlanta in the Atlanta area in the in Chambly at a private screening house, Polly Tommy is coming. She's going to have the bus there. So all it's going to be a exciting exciting day. And then don't forget, there's also Next Steps 2024, which is next March here in Buford, Georgia, just north of Atlanta. Two amazing events that are coming up. Hopefully, some of the people that are on the um, listening might see me at the CHD conference. If so, um, come by my booth and say hi. And thank you so much, Jody, for having me on here. Yes, you're welcome, guys. Check out next-steps.info. Um, I will put the link in the show notes. And and I really hope Tia's story inspires you guys to to speak up and and exhibit that courage. We are all called for such a time as this. That's why you are alive and breathing and listening to us right now. I think it's very important to find out what the plan for your life is, what God's plan for your life is. Um, And, you know, I never thought that this would be my plan, but surely, you know, when you submit to the will of God and you are being led by the Holy Spirit, um, he will reveal it to you. So until next time, guys, um, Make sure to tune into Nurses Out Loud. We are empowering and educating and informing you and standing in the gap advocating for you. Um, And we hope that you share, like, and review our shows. God bless. It's time.